Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Today I want to talk to you guys about the abundant life. Subtitle, buckle up for the level up. Buckle up for the level up. The abundant life. It's kind of crazy, man. Like, you know, you, you, you see how uh, Steve, our car salesman, was just approaching business as usual. Had no expectation, but I, I, I mean... I'm pretty sure it's safe to say that Steve never went back to work with the same mindset as he had before he went on that ride. The abundant life. Turn with me to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 10. And it reads, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Amen? This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, the thief only comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. So let's talk about the thief real quick. So you might be wondering, man, okay, what is the thief going to steal like? You know, I might have a good job, but I ain't got money like that. Right? So, so if he's not after my money, what is he after? He's after your most precious commodity, your time. Our time is our most precious commodity. So you say, hey, well, if he's coming to kill, I'm still breathing. I'm still here. I done had a cl- couple of close brushes with death. If he can't kill us literally, he goes after our hope. If you read statistically, 99.9% of the time, when there's hopelessness and helplessness, people commit suicide. 99.9% of the time. Hopelessness. Why? Because if you have no hope, it's only a matter of time that you realize that you're helpless. And then death is imminent. So you say he's here to destroy. What is he here to destroy? He's here to destroy our identity. He's here to destroy our identity. Why is he after our identity? Because if our identity is destroyed, we lose credibility. Without identity, we lose credibility. Take a look at Adam and Eve. The serpent comes to Eve in the garden and deceives her into believing that she's not like God. When we read prior to their interaction that everything that God made was good and it said that God created man and woman in his image and in his likeness, but the serpent comes and deceives her into believing that she's not already like God. He's after your identity. You don't believe me? 
Just take a look at some of our, 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 our culture and our society right now and see all of the reassignments of identity that are going on. If he can snatch you or rob you of your identity or destroy your identity, you lose credibility. So what is this master plan? How, how, does he, how is he able to accomplish this, you're asking? I'm glad you asked. He accomplished this, accomplishes this through the means of what I like to refer to as the comfort zone. The comfort zone. 98% of the population live in this place called the comfort zone. What do we have in the comfort zone? We have being like everyone else. There's a pastor that I know, um, Ray Johnston, and he says this. He says, be yourself because everyone else is taken. And how many of us don't realize that we, 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 we look at other people's formulas and try to adapt it to our lives and think that we can just go follow this cookie cutter program and get the desired results. We might get the results that we desire, but are we getting the results that God desired? For it is him who made us and not we ourselves. What else do we have that, that dwells in the population of the 98 percentile. We have insecurity. Insecurity that dwells in the 98 percentile, which causes us to be like everyone else. We got surviving. Make me think of a, a, a show that I grew up watching called Good Times. <laughs> Temporary y'all. Scratching and surviving. Y'all remember that? Y'all can sing the song with me. You know. Hanging in the chat line. Good times. Surviving. Just getting by. How often do we play it safe? How often are we, are we just, we're just stuck in this sphere of, of just comfort? Our comfort zone. When we look outside of the sphere of comfort, we see where the other 2% of the population are. The other 2% of the population are going for their dreams. They're embracing the unknown. Sounds like a lot of scary stuff, but it's exciting. And a lot of us know deep down inside we want to be there with the 2 percentile. So I know I don't, I don't want to refer to this as, as the circle of of fear, but I, I, I'd like to rename it because it's more of a sphere than it is a circle. So I, I say it's the sphere of fear that keeps us bound to insecurity, that keeps us bound to, to being like everyone else, that keeps us bound to, to just getting by and sur surviving and scra scraping and scratching to get by. John 10, 10, remember we're talking about Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly I came that you might have life and mediocrity I came that you might have life and you scraping and scratching and surviving I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly 
So how does he steal our time? I'm glad you asked. He steals our time by giving us a one-way ticket to the fastest growing nation in existence. It's called procrastination. Procrastination. All of us have been guilty of it. Some of us still stand in trial for it. Procrastination. Why? Because the thing is, is that we buy into the fact that we know that Jesus has come to give us eternal life, life eternal. But us being the not as smart sheep as we think we are, we get it twisted with eternal life with thinking that we have a lot of time. And being that the enemy knows, because he's been around for longer than us, he knows that time is short, specifically his time. So he's trying to steal our time from us by causing us to procrastinate and not take God at his word and think that we have more time than we do. And the way he does that is because we, when God tells us, he, he calls us to do something or tells us to do something or gives us an assignment, we say, okay, God, that sounds good. I, amen. Yes and amen. One day. Not realizing that, dude, your yes needs to be yes. And you need to step out on it. Now, stop saying one day and make it day one. So the enemy think, makes us think that we have more time than we have. And we procrastinate. And we fall into the trap, not realizing that delayed obedience is still disobedience. So how does he try to kill us and killing our hope? By getting us in the trap, in the, in the, in the cycle of surviving. Just because you're breathing doesn't mean that you're surviving. Just because you get up day to day, go to work, punch a clock, get a paycheck, pay all your bills and have nothing left over and you're surviving does not mean that you're living. That's not abundance. His plan for us from the beginning is to live in abundance. Do you realize that if we take a look at nature, that gazelles get up every day just for the simple purpose of surviving? Gazelles are food. They get up every day and they run for their lives in hopes of survival. The thing, saints of God, is I, I want you to, to realize and understand that God has not called any one of us to be a gazelle. He hasn't designed any one of us for the purpose of just getting up from day to day and running, hoping for survival. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1 tells us that the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as lions. So we're supposed to wake up every day with the tenacity of the thing that's stalking the thing that's being chased. The righteous are as bold as lions. Check this out. This is the other way. Like, we, we have such a low self-esteem that we settle 
And we think like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty good because I'm getting these likes. Like, like, he'll kill you by making you think that you're killing it. Like, yeah. I'm getting these likes, you know what I'm saying? My IG popping, yeah. Check the algorithm. But check this out, though. Look at this illustration. Your follower is not always your fan. So don't think. Don't, don't, don't measure your success like that. Kill or be killed. You know, my grandfather told me as a young man, he said, son, you need to, you, every man should have a suit. Every man should have a suit. And like, you know, here it is, I'm up here preaching and I, I'm not wearing a suit today because I hate wearing suits. <laughs> Doesn't mean I don't have one. I just ain't wearing it. But I came to let you know that, yeah, it's true. Every one of us in here should have a suit, and it's called a pursuit. You should be pursuing something. If you're, not, if you're not pursuing, then you're being pursued. And if you're not in pursuit, and you don't have a suit, then you're just standing there with a purse. How does he try to destroy us? He tries to destroy us by settling for less or being overly ambitious. If he can't get us to settle for less, he'll trick us into being overly ambitious. Jesus said of the devil, he said, the devil, Satan is the father of lies and he's been a liar since the beginning. Right? And so, because of this, what ends up happening is he comes to us selling wolf tickets, talking about, you know what, man? Are you really who God said you are? Man, that, that, I mean, it seems kind of exaggerated, man. I don't know if you, if you really, are you really, are you really all that? And so you get to thinking less of yourself and you lower your standards. And now you live in a life below what it is. You live in subpar. Adam and Eve, the garden all over again. But some of us are a little bit smarter than that. We're like, nah, man, I know I'm destined for great things. But then we get overly ambitious and we, rock, we, we, we begin to develop a character of pride. So if he can't get you to fall into the trap of Adam and Eve, he'll get you to fall into the trap of Lucifer. And you become overly ambitious and it leads to your demise. To destroy your identity. But I have come that you might have life. And more abundantly. Jesus not only came to bring spiritual life to people, but he came to bring the best quality of life to them. The eternal life that Jesus imparts is not just long, but it is also rich. He did not just come to gain sheep, but to enable his sheep to flourish and to enjoy contentment and every other legitimately good thing possible. You have to get it in your head and understand that God wants good things for you. Yes. Suffering is going to come about, period. But he wants good things for you. Like, that's the problem with a lot of us in church. Like, we, we have a hard time finding the balance. Like, yeah, there, there, yes, there is going to be suffering. There's going to be plenty of suffering to go around. You don't have to go and search it out. 
It's just going to come. But it's his goodness. It's his goodness that we just, we, we don't, we don't, we, for some reason, we don't really buy into the fact that God is as good as we come in here and we sing about. Abundant life has been his plan from the beginning. Write this down. Existing is not living. Existing is not living. Often as believers, we exist rather than live, starving ourselves by not feeding on his promises. He said, give us this day our daily bread, not our Sunday bread, not our Tuesday night bread, not our chat and chill bread, not our Elevate Thursdays bread, daily bread. We got food when we need it, every day. His plan since the beginning has been for us to have life abundantly. You know, going back to that, to that comfort zone, I believe inside of that sphere of fear is where you have like the 30-fold and the 60-fold livers. You know, the, 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 the ones that, you know, they, they've got the coming to church down. They've got the, the, the Christianese down. They, they, they're blessed and highly favored, but their life look like, you know, they married for, 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 for 30, 30 years, but they, they, like, like, they don't get along and don't communicate. It's all about the looks. It's all about keeping up appearances. It's all about having a form of godliness, but denying the power for you to live abundantly. Trapped and bound in the sphere of fear. But his plan has always been for us to live abundantly. You know, this is kind of what, it, it reminds me like those who, who, have, who have left out of that sphere. There's, there's those of us who, who we just have made a decision to leave out of the sphere and we, we've left the fear behind and we out there and we just still kind of like, you know what I'm saying, by the seat of our pants, kind of like Steve was in, 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 that, in that test drive. Like I said before, like when I said yes to being the teaching pastor, I was scared. I didn't share it with anybody that I was scared, but I was scared in here like me and God talked and I let him know. I was like, Lord, I, this is what you want for me. This is really what you, you really want me. OK. And when I gave him my yes is when when I experienced his grace is when it was when I was I was able to look past the fear of the call and be able to walk in it. And, and I was able, I noticed, what I noticed is that that fear started turning into confidence. Why? Because I knew that this was a part of my identity. If you look at the word confidence, you can't spell it without ID. ID is in the center of confidence. And when we know who we are, we won't just settle for whatever. When we know who we are, we won't allow other people to put their label on us. When we know who we are, we won't live subpar. 
His plan for us has always been to live an abundant life. And so some of us, I'm going to just let you guys know, like some of you guys right now, you guys are on the cusp of leaving the sphere of fear. And your conversations are kind of going to look like this conversation that a caterpillar had with a butterfly. I mean, think about it. How absurd would it be for you to sit down and have a conversation or go to dinner with a 54-year-old person and they're sitting in a booster seat? It's absurd to even think of such a thing because his plan for us from the beginning is to, to move, to develop, to grow. It'd be ridiculous that you look like your first sonogram. But that's how a lot of us are in church. We, we've been birthed into the kingdom, but we're still looking like our sonogram, even though we've been here underdeveloped, malnourished, not being fed. Genesis 128, I'm going to tell you, what his plan is. A lot of times we just look at Adam and Eve and we look back to the beginning and we only see the fall. But what I need you guys is to look before that at the very beginning to see that he's, in, he's always intended for us to live an abundant life. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 it says, then God blessed them Adam and Eve and God said to them be fruitful and multiply fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on earth. A lot of us approach our walk like Steve, the salesman. We just go business as usual. I mean, I believe Steve, when he came in that day, that he just thought, oh, I'm... I'm gonna take this. I'm gonna take this soccer dad out on a, on a test drive in this sports car. And the thing is, is that he had no clue because he had no expectation. He had no expectation, and that's like a lot of us. We come in and we just have no expectation, and a lot of times it takes God for us to do something that shakes us up in order for us to really understand, like, dude, live. Live. Like I said, I'm sure Steve never went back to work the same way that he did before that day. Steve, I'm sure, had taken that car out to test drive it but not to the extent that he did that day. It's funny when, when Jeff Gordon gets in the car and they, they, they're, they're buckling up that he's trying to tell him how powerful the car is. And here it is. A lot of us, just like Steve the salesman, we advertise something that we don't know anything about. We're believers, we're Christians, we've been speaking Christianese for most of our lives and, and we don't really know 
nor have we really experienced the power of God. Barely scratched the surface of it. He had no clue. And here it is. Jeff Gordon, a professional, an expert, is behind the wheel. And I believe that's what God's doing today. God's in here, and he's inviting you to take you on the ride of your life. He's inviting you to take the ride of your life. Yeah, just like Steve, you might scream a little. You're going to have to work some things out. That's how it is when we go and say yes to Jesus and let him take the wheel. Like, you, 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 you like them memes and you like being cliche and you're talking about Jesus take the wheel. But Jesus, like Jeff Gordon, when he takes the wheel, you don't have to worry about what's going to happen. It may look scary, it may feel funny, but he knows what he's doing. God wants us to truly experience the power of abundant living so we can properly demonstrate it to others. Steve didn't recognize Jeff because Jeff came in a disguise. And God does the same thing with us. We don't recognize his opportunities that he gives us because they come dressed up looking like work. Right? Customer comes up, he thinks he just, oh, it's work. I'm going to sell a car. Or I'm going to show him a car. And God does the same with us. And we don't realize or have the expectation for a holy moment. Because he wants to take us on the ride of our lives. He wants to invigorate us with new emotion so we can live. Thomas Edison said it best. Opportunity is missed by most people because it is dressed up in overalls and looks like hard work. And so because we're not up to the task, we're so comfortable, we'd rather... Watch others live an exaggerated version of abundance from the comfort of our couch, on our TVs and our laptops and our mobile devices. Don't act like you don't watch them reality shows. I know you, come on, man. Don't act like you ain't watching Power, book four, five, and six and all that. I mean, you got it saved. We sit there and we watch and we live vicariously through the lives of these these people with an exaggerated version of abundant life. Why? Because we're only seeing seeing the good stuff. And I think what, what makes us scared a lot of times about really living in abundance is because we 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 know it takes work to get there, but it's also gonna take work to stay there. And so we'd rather just be comfortable and take it easy. Virtual reality with artificial intelligence. Nicholas Tenbergen, who was a Nobel Peace Prize winner, um, he was an ethologist. And he did some research on studying 
the behaviors and in the 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 brains of of like all kinds of animals and creatures. And so he did uh, an experiment with songbirds. And what he found was when he created uh, an artificial head of a baby songbird that had a larger mouth than usual, that the parents, when they went to go feed the birds, that they preferred to give it to the fake bird. And then he found that the hatchlings themselves would ignore their own parents to beg fake beaks with more dramatic markings. So they made a fake beak to feed the birds, the real birds, and they preferred the fake beak over their real parents. We're going somewhere. Trust me. He further found that with songbirds that they would abandon their pale blue eggs dappled with gray and sit on black polka dotted fluorescent blue dummies so big that they would constantly slide off. And he called these things supernormal stimuli. You're like, what does that mean? So he created this experiment of testing if they could see real from fake by using what it was they were created for. We know that birds, they lay eggs, the eggs hatch because they sit on the, the eggs and they hibernate them. And then once the babies are born, they feed them, so on and so forth, so goes life, right? So what they did was they took a dummy egg and made it bigger than their regular eggs. Nothing's inside of this egg that they made. It's man-made, nothing in it, nothing and made it look similar, but changed the coloring. And the birds refused to sit on their eggs any longer to go sit on this fake egg that was exaggerated, even though they kept falling off. How many times do we chase the artificial and we falling off, falling off our commitments, falling off coming to church, falling off our walk, just falling off. Yet we go back. Dr. Russ Irwin says this about the supernormal stimuli. He says, this type of powerful stimuli uses visual imagery and other sensory enhancing objects to send such a dopamine rush through the pleasure center of the brain that it can quickly cause a rewriting within the pleasure centers, causing you to override instinct. In a sense, the new larger-than-life but fake replacements invade the pleasure centers and create almost instant addictions very dangerous. So the enemy gets us addicted to comfort. We'd rather watch these fake images doing exaggerated versions of what man was created to do living abundantly. Why? Because we're developed in such a way that biochemically we get the same type of feelings and emotions and hormones flowing as it is as if we were actually doing that thing. But then 
the part of our brain that stores memories says, you know what? When you have time to be creative and do what God has created you to do, you remember that, oh, I got the same feeling from just sitting there watching somebody else do it. So I'll just go sit down and watch TV. Or I'll go sit down and watch this. Or I'll go after this artificial thing because it'll make me feel the same way. Why? Because of comfort. And before we know it, we're addicted and we're doing the very opposite of what God has created us to do, to be fruitful. Why am I saying this? What, is this? what does this matter to us? It matters to us because we're killing ourselves with comfort. The doctor found that if this, this experiment had continued on with these birds, it'd only be a matter of time before the species was gone. And our comfort is leading to our own detriment. It's killing us off. We can no longer afford to be bound by fear of leaving the comfort zone. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says this, as we come to a close. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Today, this message is a call to movement. It's a call to movement. I sense that there are people in here that are inside of the 98 percentile that, that know that there's more than this. You've been saying it for a long time. You've been saying, you've been saying this for a long time and disguising it as waiting on God, but God has been waiting on you. This is a call to movement. Why you ask is because those that don't move will never notice their chains. Those that don't move will never notice their chains. And so the enemy's keeping you in a place of comfort, keeping you immobilized because he doesn't want you to recognize that you've been chained to comfort for so long. But we know someone who is in the business of the great exchange. We know someone who is a chain breaker. We know someone who is a liberator. His name is Jesus. And I believe that Jesus, just like Jeff Gordon, is coming in here telling you, baby, I want to take you on the ride of your life. I want to invigorate you with new life today. I don't want you to leave out of here seeing life the same way. I don't want you to go back to business as usual. I want you to experience the power that comes from living in a life of abundance. Can I, can I just share something, with, share something with you real quick? And I don't, mean to, I don't mean to put anybody on blast. But I love looking at the life of the Hardwicks. Because if you knew everything that was going on with them, specifically Stan, Stan is, is, is one of the most abundant livers that I know. Abundant living, 
has nothing to do with your circumstance. It's actually in spite of your circumstance that you choose to live abundantly. If you knew about the pain and the suffering, that pain and suffering is going to come, but he chooses to live in the goodness of God. He and Paula choose to live in the goodness of God. Abundant life isn't about having the perfect situation or perfect circumstances. It's in spite of your circumstances that you choose to take God at his word and not settle for less. Those who do not move will never notice their chains. And God is calling you to movement today. I've yanked some of y'all's chains today. But it's all right. Because he can fix it today. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I'm going to leave you with this. Therefore, John chapter 8, verse 36. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Amen? Stand to your feet. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.